This is Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco 89.5 FM. This is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. I'm Jess Khanam. And this is Jamal Dejani. Well, to our listeners uh, in the greater Bay Area and throughout the world who are viewing and listening to Arab Talk, we continue to come from you from shelter in place and lockdown mode here in Northern California. Jamal, the bad news is that the situation regarding the coronavirus continues on an extremely negative uh, trend. As of today, we have about 1.26 million confirmed cases in the United States. We have over 75,000 Americans died worldwide. We have close to 3.8 million confirmed cases and uh, the deaths are 265,000 deaths. And frankly, there there really is no end in sight, despite what you may be hearing and seeing on uh, some corporate media stations or from coming from the White House. The situation with the coronavirus remains staggeringly bad, not only for the world, but for the United States. That's right, Jess. And we want to uh, talk about this uh, more uh, later on, especially uh, because now, as you know, I don't know what's the latest number of how many states are opening, but uh, we're looking at uh, more, I think, than 40 states are going back to basically, uh, you know, businesses allowing businesses to open with certain restrictions like keeping six feet distance and wearing masks and so forth. Uh, we, we live in a state, we, we're in California, even though things have been changing, uh, California shelter-in-place orders remain valid until May 31st. And But the governor yesterday was talking about uh, also uh, loosening some of those restrictions uh, in a kind of step-by-step getting people, re, uh, I guess, reintegrating into the, the new norms that will be implemented soon. So I, I want to talk about this uh, later on, but we've been following several stories. Uh, yeah, we have. Uh, across, the, across the globe, including, of course, in the United States. And one story that I couldn't get my head wrapped on, uh, just this really troubled me, is the story of uh, Ahmed Arbery. And uh, uh, Ahmed Arbery is uh, a young man, 25 year old, uh, who was actually uh, shot down by two, uh, an ex-policeman and his son back in February 23rd. Right. And, and, and to, tell you that, to tell you the truth, this story kind of like was just a little blurb out there that's here yet another uh, African-American young man gets basically chased and shot. Kind of a reminder of the uh, uh, other many other other cases like this, but not until the past uh, few days uh, when a uh, a video surfaced, Jess, and the video taken by another car that was following those uh, these two guys, two white guys, the father and his fa- his son, basically driving behind uh, Ahmad chasing him he's basically was jogging in their neighborhood right and 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 then and they and he just continues to on his way they keep chasing him then they kind of try to 
intercept him and then you see uh, Ahmed getting shot by a shotgun. He tried to defend himself to reach for the shotgun. I mean, that's the reaction of anyone if you see either 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 fight or flee, right, in, in these cases. And then he gets executed in broad daylight. And I don't know, I don't want to blame the person taking the video. I don't know what the story with the video because I don't know what's the source of that video. But then you have another person who's kind of basically take, you know, taking a video of this thing instead of dialing 911 or doing something about it. And uh, of course, these guys just did not spend one second in jail. So after the police arrived, they, they just uh, let them go and basically uh, uh, they were told that this is, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's legal, right? It's to carry weapons and also to uh, stop people. It's an, un uh, it's an unbelievable know. story, Jamal. And, and, and so, so the, the story dies in the media. So again, we're talking about this is February 23rd. Now we're talking about it in May, which means they were going to be out free and, 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 and no one would have heard about this case until that video surfaced, even though the police had it. This is another thing. They had it for many months, preventing the family from ac acquiring it. And now it's out there. And anyone who watches it just can see that this was a blatant execution in broad daylight. Uh, Ahmad did not carry a weapon. He was not a threat. And then you read all these different uh, parts of the story from interviews conducted by neighbors and people who lived in the neighborhood that this young man who was, by the way, a, a football star right. in, the, in the local uh, high school, he just went jogging every single day. That right. was his route. That's right. He just, he just uh, that's, that was his route. Even people said, yeah, we know, like it's, we could also almost uh, adjust our clocks to his time. I mean, just like clockwork, uh, here he goes, you know, on his daily exercise. And then the, uh, of course, the alleged killers uh, said that they suspected that he was involved in a, uh, they've had burglaries in the neighborhood and they were trying to pin it on him, which is total, totally false. So not until this video, what I'm just saying, okay, the crime itself is a hor horrific crime. That's why I said I can't wrap my head uh, around it. And, and then just to kind of, have this uh, police department uh, just totally ignore it, allow these people to, to walk away, didn't even bring them to the police station for questioning, you know, and say, yeah, that's fine. We're letting you go. It's self-defense or whatever. They took their word. Isn't this a pattern? I mean, I mean, I mean, come on, Jess. Well, Jamal, I think, I think part of the issue here is that we have these stories come up all the time. We say the same thing, that we can't believe it. But the reality is, in 2020, in May, we are living in a country where African-American men can be shot and killed in, in broad daylight, and there can be no consequences and a cover-up, and that this is 
a regular occurrence, even in 2020. Some people might say, and, you know, I think you and I are probably, you know, thinking along the same lines, is that African-American men are being shot and killed by these white supremacists, white vigilantes, um, in a way because, as we've talked about before, they're given somehow license to kill. This is a cultural point in in, in our history as uh, the United States, where because of what happens at the very top, in terms of the leadership of our government, that people feel like it's okay, that they have a license to kill, that they can go out there under the guise of keeping their neighborhood safe and secure, which is totally bogus, in this case especially, go out armed to the teeth and and basically murder in cold blood uh, a young African-American man. You and I are outraged by this. Uh, we see people being outraged by it, but every day, every week, we see people of color being murdered and killed uh, in, in, this, in this similar manner. I... You know, I we're going to talk about the coronavirus situation later, but it's all part of the larger cultural context of what's happening to people of color right now. When there's economic disparities, when there's a pandemic, when there is a culture and a license for people to feel like they can go out and just murder in cold blood people of color. I found this story not only just troubling, Jamal, but in the current context and climate, especially worrisome. And I should have mentioned earlier that this happened in the state of Georgia, in the city of Brunswick, yeah, in in uh, in Georgia. Uh, and uh, again, if this video uh, did not catch fire on the internet, and, no one would have uh, said anything. No one would have said anything. I mean, you know, we live in California. Uh, only major stories make the news. This wasn't a big story. It was yet just another young man getting killed, an African-American man getting killed. That's basically, and and it would have been just basically brushed under the rug. And and, and now, uh, to, to me, I mean, just the fact that these guys, they are still out there. They have not been, they haven't gotten arrested. They haven't been questioned. You know, they're not out on bail. They just basically were asked a couple of questions by the uh, police officer, right. officer and were let go. And then the fact that the father is uh, part of that police department. So he's, right. a, he's a retired. So there is that whole connection. There is the racism, in my opinion, aspect that the fact that these people give their, themselves the green light to chase after a young man in broad daylight jogging and kill him. And then at the same time, there is that corruption part, which needs right. to be investigated all the way to the roots. Because just the fact, imagine, just, just a question. If a brown man, a black man did the same thing to a white man, I just want to be very blunt. You know, black, two, black, two black people ran uh, or chased after a white jogger and shot him dead. Would they be let go? No, it would be the national. It would be national news story. We would be hearing about it on the national news every day for weeks. There would be a complete investigation, and you know, it would be top news. I and, and I know we're going to talk talk about this later, Jamal. But the reality is, the murder of uh, Ahmed Aubrey 
and his brutal, what, there's no other way to talk about it, assassination in broad daylight is also connected to the fact that African-American men especially, and people of color and men especially, are dying at such a much greater rate in the, in the, with the pandemic, with the COVID-19 pandemic. And there's another part of this story, Jamal, which we'll, I know we'll talk to, but I think, you know, is important. You know, going back to work and, and opening the economy, as, as Trump likes to say it, he's not asking people who have a lot of money to go back to work. He's asking people of color who are working in the trenches, who don't have PPE, to go back to work and put themselves at risk. And so the assassination of uh, Ahmed Aubrey and what's happening, forcing, you know, the the hard labor market, basically, you know, which is primarily people of color, Latinos, uh, African-Americans and other people of color to go back to work under unsafe situation is really part of the same story that we have to talk about here. That's right. We're going to pick up uh, on this on this later on, Jess. Um, yeah. I want to uh, take us to overseas because, we, uh, well, luckily, actually, last uh, show, we've had uh, a couple of guests who, uh, one from Lebanon, one from Jordan, Palestine, give us reports uh, from the ground on the coronavirus. But also, because of the uh, pandemic, we've been... Um, I wouldn't say neglecting, but uh, we had we didn't have the time to cover a lot of stories um, outside the the coronavirus issue. Uh, right. Just um, what we're going to be talking about, uh, as you uh, as you know, uh, Jess, uh, uh, the uh, Secretary of State uh, Mike Pompeo is uh, planning uh, a visit to. Palestine slash Israel, that's how he describes, or the West Bank. Uh, and uh, he had an interview uh, recently, and it was carried on Channel 13, uh, the Israeli Channel 13, uh, talking about the uh, annexation of the, the West Bank. His trip is yet to be, by the way, formally announced, but he has been making a lot of noise about it. But the one who has been making a lot of noise about it is our U.S. Ambassador, David Friedman, in Jerusalem, basically going, uh, going around, talking, um, uh, talking all over the Israeli media, I, I should add, interviews on Channel 13, interviews on Haaretz, Jerusalem Post, Yidot Ahranot, is basically marketing this whole concept uh, of the annexation. So so on Wednesday, he said to Israel Hayom, which I should remind our lis- listeners, Israel Hayom, which means Israel today, right, is owned by no other than Sheldon Adelson. Right. Okay? Just, just, we've talked about Sheldon Adelson. This is, uh, and, and it's uh, the most popular uh, publication for the Israeli colonial settlers living living on stolen land in the West Bank, Israel Hayom. And it's very, very uh, powerful, very widely read. And he, he said that the Trump administration is ready to recognize Israeli sovereignty over the West Bank within weeks. And he added uh, 
that one condition for such a move would be an agreement between the next Israeli government and the Palestinians to hold negotiations over the American Middle East plan, which was unveiled, as you know, and rejected in January, that the uh, so-called deal of the century, the uh, Kushner deal of the century, uh, which they they, uh, basically unveiled it before the Israeli elections, which uh, didn't happen in March, or they did happen and nobody won, and that's why Israel is heading towards a coalition government. So if you read in his words, and I read it in, uh, in different angles, in the inter- one interview, and the, he keeps repeating the same thing. And, and you know what he sounds like, Jess? And I'm very sad to bring this out. What? It sounds like blackmail. It sounds like, I mean, it's, it's not, I mean, the way he says it is that we are going to, re- to recognize this unilateral annexation. The United States is going to recognize this unilateral annex- annexation unless, basically, the Palestinian Authority accepts the deal of the century, which they rejected, right. which they rejected without much fanfare. The whole world rejected except for some of the uh, cheerleaders of uh, Trump. Uh, in the Arab world, but everyone basically rejected it. It's kind of like dead on arrival, the whole thing. And, and then they're saying, we're going to have, we're going to just, um, you know, let them annex the West Bank, just like, like we allowed them to annex the Golan Heights, unless you go back and accept the deal of the century and agree to sit down with the Israelis and basically sign on, uh, you know, on the dotted line uh, accepted all, which we talked extensively about the deal of the century, how it's going to create basically a bunch of pentostans and uh, there's not going to be sovereignty over Jerusalem and all all the nonsense that was there. In return, the Palestinians will receive a few billion right. dollars, which most, mostly come from Saudi Arabia and other countries, not the United States, which I doubted very much, uh, as you know today, just... The Saudis are uh, crying about the price of oil, so they won't have even the money to to fund such, right. such a deal. Well, you know, Jamal, I don't think it sounds like blackmail. I think it is blackmail. And, and part of the calculation that's going on right now is that a lot of Republicans and pro-Israel supporters do in fact see the potential for the writing to be on the wall for the Trump administration. And they're doing this calculation right now in terms of being able to, uh, as in as greedy a way as possible, annex, destroy, um, you know, codify the Israeli illegal occupation of Palestine. And I think you're going to see this at a rapid rate. This is the typical Israeli strategy, as you know, Jamal. If there's a big natural disaster, a pandemic, an earthquake, a 9-11, something like that, they use it as a pretext to extend their illegal colonization and occupation of, and, and theft of Palestinian land. The same thing is going on now, despite all the other political upheaval that is going on with the Israeli politicians. But I do believe that there is a calculation going on right now that there's a really good chance 
that uh, there may only be six to eight months left of the Trump administration. And if that's the case, annexation has to be on the table, even though it'll only be approved or sanctioned by the United States. And they're going to try to steal as much Palestinian land and destroy any sense of Palestinian sovereignty as quickly as possible. I think, Jamal, this could be among the more difficult and ugliest uh, six months for Palestinians coming up right now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, uh, I mean, the timing of it when the entire world is trying to deal with the COVID-19, the Trump administration goes back to this failed. I mean, people aren't even looking that that much. They're not looking that much about what's happening in Palestine Mm -hmm. right now because of the pandemic. I mean, people don't really care. and about Israeli politics right now? Not only this, I mean, the question is, is this our priority? And I'm talking about the United States. Is this the priority now going back and giving Israel a a gift and allowing them to grab more land when we need to take care of this country, when we need to go back, you know, help our businesses and find a a cure for this uh, pandemic and also, uh, uh, lend maybe a hand to the rest of the uh, parts of the world when we can, those who don't have the resources, uh, you know, t- trying to fight the virus instead of uh, just like, oh, playing this political gimmick, basically, that they have, uh, right. uh, you know, to, to, to basically bolster Netanyahu, because as you know, now they're heading towards a unity government, uh, with Gantz, but also to basically prop him, uh, which is ridiculous, uh, in, in my opinion. And, and, and as you know, Palestinians have been left alone during this crisis because the United States has cut off aid and many countries has done the same. Israel basically, although claims sovereignty over a united Jerusalem, takes care of only the Jewish side of Jerusalem and, and let people basically, you know, un, unprotected in, in the eastern part. And that's why you have a high number right. of uh, but, cases but the in thing that Jerusalem. I've, and one of the things I found really disturbing, Jamal, in the midst of all this, I mean, in the United States right now, 33 million people have filed for unemployment. We are likely going through one of the greatest economic disasters and catastrophes since the Great Depression. And yet you have APAC and its surrogates in Congress still trying, despite the fact that so many millions of Americans are going to lose their jobs, are going to get sick and die, that we're going to go through this economic catastrophe. You have APAC and its surrogates in Congress, Jamal, trying to figure out a way to give not only continue to give Israel the $3 billion a year, but figure out a way to give them even more money right now. There was a report that came out right now that Israeli lobbyists and APAC surrogates are working behind the scenes to try to get even more money to be sent over to the Israeli government because the Israeli economy is also having a difficult time right now. So if, 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 if Americans really knew that while they're standing in bread lines, while they're standing in lines that are two and three miles long to get a little basket of food be- and are trying to get their unemployment benefits, that their Congress people are trying to get 
more money sent to Israel right now, um, they would be truly outraged. And it is an outrage to see this at this time. It is an outrage. And talking about this, by the way, there was a story, also a recent story about uh, an Israeli who basically fleeced, and this is the word that I'm going to use, the state of New York uh, with about uh, $61 million just saying that uh, that they will be uh, procuring, uh, uh, I guess, uh, ventilators, uh, which never materialized. Uh, I, I didn't hear about it. No one... No one heard about it, and, and no one heard that the state of New York was engaged in, in trying to buy uh, equipment from Israel. This dude uh, who lives in, uh, in the United States, and he's, he's also he's an Israeli, he basically uh, went uh, on our uh, State Department's uh, website because uh, they were putting out their beds uh, just uh, to to buy you know equipment uh, from different countries and masks and 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 so forth and managed to get this contract and get he got paid for it without delivering the goods without delivering the goods yeah i mean it's it's <laughs> i mean isn't this crazy yeah, it's crazy, and they'll probably get a they'll probably get away with it, and then you have Bank Hapolin, you know, basically involved in a money laundering scheme involving, you know, again one of the largest Israeli banks with the United States, basically laundering almost a billion dollars. They are finally being held to account. I mean, it's really staggering when and and I'm sorry to keep going back to this, Jamal. But when, when you see the impact of this economic catastrophe and what it's doing to Americans, and you see these Israeli surrogates, these American citizens who are Israeli surrogates, trying to basically take American money away from Americans who are starving, literally starving to death and have no money, and send it to this uh, colonial state right now, it's truly unbelievable. And... Because people are suffering so much, Jamal, we can't expect people to be, you know, uh, keeping their eye on the ball the way we are about some of these things. But it's truly amazing to see the the depth of the corruption. So, so here is the story. Uh, just and uh, this was, by the way, I misstated that it was purchased by the State Department. I should say it was purchased by the New York Department of Health which paid $69.1 million, not $61 million, $69.1 million to a Silicon Valley engineer. He's an, a, a, he's a, 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 an Israeli uh, citizen uh, promising to sell them ventilators uh, to hospitals, basically. So, so $69.1 million to this... Uh, uh, guy, his name is Yaron Oren Pines, an electrical engineer who immigrated to the United States in the 1990s. And uh, by the way, uh, he specializes, Mr. Pines specializes in cell phone technology and lacks any apparent experience in government contracting or knowledge in medical devices. 
He just jumped on the bandwagon because he could just apply. And on March 30th, the New York State paid Oren Pines $69.1 million for 1,450 ventilators at the cost of, and I'm sure this is going to floor you, Jess, of $47,656 per ventilator. Wow. So, you know, almost $50,000 per unit. Triple well, the standard retail price of top-notch models. Even, even, even this, is, this price was, is high because of the coronavirus. They paid triple the price. He was promising that he's going to bring them these ventilators uh, from Israel. And a state official speaking on condition of anonymity said New York reached out to Oren Pines after the White House Corona Virus Task Force explicitly, guess what, recommended him. Oh, no. Somebody recommended. This we, is how we, we know who, Jamal. It's it's Jared Kushner. Yeah. So so this guy who has nothing to do with medical devices. I mean, I don't know if it's Jared know. Kushner, obviously, oh. but, but I suspect that. He and some of his cronies were behind this. All of a sudden, his name comes as a recommended source on the list of the state. The, you know, that's what they said, the White House and the State Department, recommending him to the state of California to say, here is your man, buy it from him. Well, guess what? Not a single ventilator was shipped. Okay? Yeah, of course. And... Uh, and at the time, uh, uh, you know, at the time of this became an investigation, and and uh, uh, I'm reading this from uh, Haaris and also another source for the story is Buzz Buzzfeed's uh, reported on the matter. The, spos- the spokesperson for Vice President Mike Pence, Katie Miller, said in a statement that the White House Coronavirus Task Force was never informed of this contract and was not involved in it at all. What kind of government we have? I mean, uh, who, who should we believe? The state of California says that they got a recommendation from the White House and they got duped or they got fleeced with $69 million or the uh, state of California, I mean, the state of New York, I mean, the White House saying, oh, we have nothing to do with it. So so this is the this organization, this <clears throat> is... An example, and this is the reason I know about the story, because, you know, you and I, we always are digging for stories. And thankfully, this was published. By the way, this was published on BuzzFeed. It wasn't like headline news on right. the New York Times or other major publications or, right. or major discussion on CNN or Fox News, for sure. <laughs> wasn't there. And the Israeli media reported on it. And so now, what, $69 million are gone with the wind? Well, yeah. I mean, that's right, Jamal. So anyway, uh, you're, you're listening to Arab Talk Radio on KPOO San Francisco, 89.5 FM. And uh, we'll continue our broadcast from our shelter in place. In place. And uh, so, Jess, I want to go back to actually now. Can I, uh, can I just say talk. one quick thing? I, sure. I have to just bring up the connection to Brazil. Go ahead. Because there are two world leaders that are science deniers that fit the profile of denying science, being somewhat of a despot, putting their countries at risk. And the fourth thing that they have in common is a love for other, you know, uh, kind of racist colonial states. 
And I'm talking about the president of uh, Brazil, Jamal, uh, João Bolsonaro, who continues to put his country, Brazil, at grave risk. Brazil right now, and especially among indigenous people of the Amazon and some of the states around the Amazon, are dying, are getting exposed and have the coronavirus and are dying at such an alarming rate. Yet, President Bolsonaro continues to advocate for opening up the country, for basically talking about the coronavirus being a hoax, and much in the Trump style. Now, the thing that I want to point to is at a recent rally that uh, President Bolsonaro went to to tout some of these crazy ideas was a rally in which two flags were featured prominently everywhere, and that was the, the country flag of Brazil and the Israeli flag. So t- in my wow. mind, it seems like it's kind of interesting that you have uh, this dictator of a leader, Jao Bolsonaro, who, who is being confronted by the governors of all these states in Brazil, Jamal, just saying, you're crazy. The, the, the coronavirus is killing our, our people. That his, one of his main bases of support in, uh, in, in Brazil right now is, again, the pro-Israel support. It seems like the pro-Israeli support, Jamal, really loves to support dictators and these really science deniers uh, in the United States and uh, in Brazil. It was very disturbing. What I want to do is bring our discussion back to what's happening in the United States, because contrary to what you're hearing from the White House, who wanted to disband the coronavirus task force, and Trump at the last minute changed his mind on that, if you take the numbers from New York out of the equation, which are actually showing a plateauing of coronavirus cases and deaths. It's still tragic in New York. Don't get me wrong. There's still hundreds of people who are dying every day in New York. But if you take the New York numbers from the, out of the equation for the U.S. Jamal, what you're seeing in the United States right now is an ongoing, continuing, dramatic increase in the number of expo- uh, coronavirus cases and deaths that are shooting up dramatically. And this goes back to what you said, that, you know, people are reopening their states. The White House and the CDC have said, Jamal, you should not open up states or relax any of these restrictions unless you've had 14 days of steadily declining numbers of people who've been exposed and the number of deaths. Well, guess what, Jamal? Of the 20-plus states that are relaxing things and opening up their uh, states to the economic, uh, you know, to the economy again, not one of those states meets the criteria put forth by the White House and the CDC. What we're seeing, Jamal, is you're seeing what what is happening to um, people who don't have means in this country. And basically what's happening is that People who have wealth, uh, and you're hearing this from the White House and the Republican Party, is that we have to protect our wealth. People have to go back to work. The slaves basically have to go back to the meatpacking plants, back to the fields and all these things. We have to get, quote, our economy back going. But what that really means, Jamal, is that people of color are going to continue to die because it's the people 
of color primarily and people who are economically disadvantaged right now who are being basically forced to choose between, you know, going back to earth and protecting their livelihood versus um, dying. Because basically, we don't, we still don't have enough testing done in this country. We are still on a rapid increase. We know that people of color and African Americans are more likely to get the virus and die from the exposure to the virus. And so Basically, they've made the calculation in order to save the economy, we have to kill off and more people of color have to die in order to save the economy. Now, they're not saying it as directly as I just said it or as we're saying it, but that's the ugly truth in the reality of these states and these governors forcing people to have to go back to work under unsafe circumstances. And in fact, Jamal, in some states, you... If your uh, company opens and your job comes back and you're on uh, unemployment benefits and you don't go back to work because you don't feel safe, guess what? You lose your unemployment benefits. So um, it's, I, I really believe, Jamal, we haven't even begun to see the full extent of the catastrophe. And I, I'm not even talking about the economy. I'm talking about the health and the wellness of large segments of, of the United States, people who are working labor jobs, people who are working to keep this country going are going to be dying at such a massive rate as time goes on. I'm afraid, Jamal, that this situation is going to continue to get much worse. Well, Jess, I w I, I've been looking at actually a map that was posted uh, on several sites about the states that uh, have been uh, reopening, and it's really uh, shocking. And shocking in a way, what, you, what you've been talking about is uh, there are a lot of uh, things that are opening that are not deemed as necessary, right? No, or they're not. Ur urgent. No, uh, I, I thought like, okay, well, I you can understand, you know, uh, you know, businesses opening, like of course, grocery stores and even restaurants uh, giving takeout food and so forth. But we're talking about in Georgia. I was like, looking, barbers are giving haircuts. Basically, they they are wearing uh, face masks and uh, and latex uh, gloves in Texas. Movie theaters are opening. Movie theaters are opening, which I think that, I mean, this is like a, an incubator, right, for uh, spreading a virus. And basically what they're saying, uh, you know, people can just sit several seats away from the nearest stranger and eat popcorn. And uh, in Tennessee, gyms are opening again. So people are sweat sweating at, at the gyms. Uh, so... America's reopening has begun in full force. We're not talking about just like isolated cases. If you're talking about more than half of the states have started to reopen their economies in, in, in a major meaningful way and others are planning to do it soon. And, uh, and this is very, very, very troubling. Uh, and then there is a whole list, uh, you know, starting, you know, alphabetical list of the states that are open, like Alabama and, and Alaska and Arkansas and Colorado starting, Florida. Oh, it's, it's disturbing. It's a big, it's, it's, it's a very, 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 very big list. And and it seems like they're not reopening like, like some 
sections where they want to test it. And it's just like, what's going to happen well, after my, two weeks yeah, if this my, experiment my, fails? My problem, Jamal, is the la- I mean, I've been saying this every week now for I don't know how long. But the problem is the federal government continues to not have a national strategic plan for what to do, number one. There's still not enough testing. There's over 100 different uh, tests out there. And only recently has the FDA and the CDC stepped in and said, we need more regulation because a lot of the tests that are out there are not reliable, not valid, and giving false uh, results. We still don't have enough PPE, personal protective equipment. We, we're not testing enough. We don't have any treatments that are out there. I mean, I look at this, Jamal, and it just looks to me so crazy that we are a country that still at the top is more interested in, quote, getting the economy back rather than saving the lives of tens of thousands, and it's going to be hundreds of thousands of people who are going to get sick and are going to die from this disease, Jamal, at the expense of, quote, the economy. So um, these states that are opening up, uh, and if you look at what happened in Southern California last week when people went to the beaches, you know, with no, uh, no social distancing, you look at this and you just want to pull, pull your hair out and go, you guys are just out of your minds and don't understand how terrible this situation is right now. Not only are you putting yourself at risk, you're putting your families at risk, you're putting your neighborhood at risk, you're putting your communities at risk. And ultimately what it's going to do, it's going to extend the pandemic for a much longer period of time. And it's going to cause much more damage in the long run, Jamal. Yeah, I'm talking about California. And as you know, California was the first state in the nation to order all uh, residents to stay at home. And uh, yet, uh, there are uh, some counties uh, that refuse to do so. Uh, At at least I saw one county refusing to do so. They said, you know, they didn't have uh, cases in their county or very little cases. So that's going to be a problem for Governor Newsom, who basically... Just uh, a couple of yeah. days ago, talked about yeah, that absolutely, it's going to be will, a huge problem. He will start reopening at some point after May thirty first, but he warned that the that the state is months away from any return to to normal. So even even if you start reopening, which by the way we should mention that few of the states like California still is shut down and and has restrictions. Connecticut, Delaware. District of Columbia, Illinois, and others have uh, some, you know, some restrictions. Yeah, Jamal, I'm, I guess I'm just continuing to be very concerned about uh, the kind of the kind of deal with the devil that the Trump administration is making with the uh, people of the United States. And the deal with the devil is we're basically going to sacrifice people who are economically disadvantaged. We're going to sacrifice people of color in order to protect the wealth of people who have uh, a lot of resources. I mean, that's really the deal that's going on right now, where you have governors in in states that are that are really putting people in this horrible situation of being forced to choose between feeding their family and dying, 
and um, so that the economy for people who already have a lot of wealth can be protected. I, I think when we look at back at this historical moment, Jamal, we're going to look back at this as one of the most morally bankrupt and depraved parts of uh, our history as a country when we have decided as a society, and I won't say that we, but a very small number of people at the top have decided we're willing to sacrifice large segments of the United States for the good of just a few people who have a lot of wealth. And so I, for one, uh, continue to be deeply, deeply horrified by this, deeply concerned. And unfortunately, I have to say, I think it's only going to get worse. Well, uh, I mean, we won't know, I guess, until a couple of weeks or something like this from now after this experiment starts rolling. Because every day that passes, every week that passes, and even with that, they are not, uh, they're just rolling it slowly, rolling it out No, but, slowly, but Jamal, as, the, uh, the, the death rate in the United States, the exposure rate and the death rate is still on a, on a big uh, trajectory upward. So it's not, it's not going to just be two weeks. It's going to be two weeks. It's going to be two months that will f- maybe even longer before we see the full impact. And on that... Uh, note, we've come to another end of Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco 89.5 FM. It's been Arab Talk with Justin Jamal from shelter, our Shelter in Place studios here in Northern California. Um, people can get all of our shows, Jamal. They can go to your Facebook page at Jamal Dejani 2 or they can go to our website, ArabTalkRadio.com. That's right. And uh, we stay stay safe. Stay uh, sheltered in place if you if you can. And believe and in we science. Will talk to you, believe in science, and we'll talk to you next week. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.